the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. There's a great voice in Sammy Kershaw. Another great voice, Brett Johnson. He is a partner with the Snell and Wilmer Law Firm based here in Phoenix. Offices around the country. SWLaw.com if you want to reach out to him. Brett Johnson is uh, visits with us once a week to go over constitutional and legal issues. Brett, thanks for joining us today. As always, hope you're well. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me again, Seth. You bet, always. All right. So the Supreme Court uh, did a did, had, came out with a big decision yesterday. The U.S. Supreme Court uh, on uh, education and the First Amendment. I want to get your take on it, and then I want to talk to you about how that can help and how it will relate to what's uh, going on in Arizona, which I've always thought, along with you, has been kind of on the uh, front lines of education uh, reform and educational choice. Tell us what the Supreme Court did yesterday, Brett. Yes, perfect. So there's a little bit of background. It's yep. a case called uh, Carson versus Macon, and it is a case out of Maine. Um, and in in uh, in Maine, which I did not know this until I read this case, is the most rural state in the United States. And I did did not know that. That that was that was quite interesting. But because it's such a rural state, it does not have enough school districts to actually um, service all of the students or public school uh, school system. So as as part of their legislation, they allow uh, parents to choose different schools, um, private schools, and then use tax money to basically pay for the tuition or pay for at least part of the tuition. Um, a, a caveat in that law, in the main law, was that no money could go towards religious institutions. And that was the, the, the sticking point. So they don't have a public school option. They have to be able to go to a, uh, to a private school, and yet they were not able to choose the one that they wanted to go to, which in these, in these two cases were uh, uh, Christian schools. Um, now, I know what you said in the beginning, that it, it, it is revolutionary for sure as to what Just, Chief Justice Roberts did in this case. But from his own tone, all he's saying is is that actually the Supreme Court already ruled on, mm-hmm. on a very similar mm-hmm. issue in a case called Espinoza versus Montana. Mm-hmm. And, and in that case, also a school choice type uh, situation about um, uh, parents being able to direct their tax dollars to a specific institution, and, that, and, and there was a provision in the Montana Constitution that made a prohibition that you couldn't send to religious schools. And the Supreme Court in that case also overruled that law. And what the distinction between the two cases are, it was Montana was is just purely blanket religious schools. And in Maine, they tried to, to make a little bit of an exception from the Espinosa. It's like, it's really not because it's a Christian school or a Jewish school. Um, it's really because of how the money is being used. And then when I mean used, i.e. for religious education, mm-hmm. for other type of religious activities. And that the Chief Justice said in, in, uh, in this case, um, it was blatant. is like, no, it doesn't matter how that money is being used. And it's not about the actual status, the religious status of the 
the school. It's 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 also about the use. And if you if you are discriminating against um, a religious institution just because some of the money is going to be used for religious purposes, that's still discrimination and a violation of the First Amendment. So it's it's a very very powerful case. And what's actually most interesting from my perspective, being a nerd, is uh, is actually the dissent mm. because usually in in these types of cases states will go and they'll grapple and they'll say all of the things that oh this case doesn't cover us because right. of whatever the scenario is right. well the dissent actually lists out in there in, in justice sotomayor and justice Breyer's perspective two different dissents these parade of horribles mm-hmm. that will now occur because of the supreme court opinion so by in those dissents all of the different exceptions that the states would normally say, oh, it doesn't apply to us, have actually been identified along laundry lists. Yeah. So of how this case is now going to be, could be extended out by different states, um, especially those states that have uh, um, uh, choice um, programs. Let me do this, Brett. That because you said a lot there. And, uh, yep. you know, one of the other things, let me, let me take a quick commercial break with you and come back on some of this. One of the interesting things I thought about the case was I'm used to reading First Amendment cases, how, how short it seemed. And, and I thought that there was a point in there. I'll explore that with you. And I also want people to understand that a lot of these laws, like Maine had, they came from a not very good place. It really was an uh, they really did come from a place of religious discrimination back in the 19th century when you think about some of these Blaine exceptions. I think, I think. I'll explore that briefly with you when we come back. But... I think what's interesting here is we have a Supreme Court that is now determined and convinced that we are not going to discriminate between religion and irreligion. We'll pick up on all that with Brett Johnson when we come back. As I go to break, let me put in a word for my friends at Y Refi. If you're looking for a great investment opportunity, Y Refi is offering a fixed, no-load interest rate up to ten and a quarter percent for investors, all in a collateralized, secure portfolio. They're in the business of helping people dig out of debt the right way by paying off their debts. It's a due diligence approved firm. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com. Investyrefi.com. I'm Seth. He's Brett Johnson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Brett Johnson is our guest, uh, partner at the law firm of Snell & Wilmer, SWLaw.com. I just think the world of them, they're not sponsors or anything. I just think he's the best there is. Uh, Brett, um, towards the break, I said something, and I may have been wrong about it. I, you know, I didn't look it up or anything, but I, I remember from previous cases of state constitutions or state laws forbidding the use of public funds to end up in the hands of a parochial or religious school came out of a, of a, of a 19th century, what were known as Blaine Amendments, which were really kind of designed to target the Catholic community in large part. I didn't know if the main case was one of those. It wouldn't be surprising, Blaine and all that. But a lot of these bars to using public funds for religious uh, purposes or religious schools do come from an origin of some kind of discrimination, don't they? Am I right about that? You tell me if I'm wrong. You are right. And actually, what you're channeling right now is Chief Justice Roberts when he wrote in Espinoza. And you you mentioned that 
previous to the, uh, the break about how short this opinion is. Right, right. right. Yeah, and am I right about that, too? I thought you're, it was you're short. You're right about that, too. Okay. And, and the reason why it is short is because the ju- chief justice is saying, I've already addressed this in Espinoza. So I don't need to go back through Espinoza and, and reiterate all the history, which includes the Blaine Amendments. That was big, and that was we're back in the 1870s that did target um, the Catholic Church and Catholic school to ensure that there was absolutely no support for those and tried to diminish um, their influence or sending kids. They came the from a place school. of bigotry. That's, that's what it was, yeah, well, anti-Catholic bigotry. I'm looking at it right now, and Chief Justice actually has that in quotes, born of bigotry. That's exactly what what he he said. Um, But the main one, I'll give Maine a little bit of credit. Maine um, actually, uh, before 1980s, um, also had provisions in their in their statutes that that basically did allow um, uh, school funding for private uh, religious institutions, okay. and it was actually in the 80s where there was kind of a backlash right. and this really stringent uh, uh, church and state separation, where Maine's attorney general basically said, "Hold on here, you can't have right. that," and so then they changed the law back um, back in the 80s. Right. So not originally from Blaine, it was it was through a, a really bad interpretation. Interpretation of the First Amendment, um, which uh, it, it, interesting, I call it the First Amendment, and but some people, including Sotomayor, Justice Sotomayor, calls it the Religious Amendment. Yeah. So I thought that was that's that's a very yeah. What do you think that was about? Do you think there's a there's a bias against religion there too that, that's leaking out in that? What, what that was? I thought that phraseology was odd. I, I think so too, and I think what she's now she was trying to highlight. Is is that there's not? She calls it this joint. There's a, a joint between the First Amendment, yeah. between the separation, and now by calling it the Religious Amendment, yeah. she's basically saying that the religious side of it, yeah. the, um, the support uh, that you can't discriminate against religion, has basically overcome um, the separation of church and state, and so that's why she called it the Religious Amendment. In my mind, so it was a little bit of kind of tongue in cheek in her in her dissent, but again, you see you see her um, not just highlight lighting from this case, but from other cases about the, the differences from this court to previous courts and and kind of the position that they're taking. So between this ruling and some of the other rulings that have come out um, um, in the last two years, for sure, um, you're, you are seeing a significant shift in, in um, the Supreme Court and basically reiterating not only state rights, but individual um, uh, religious rights over um, state action. Brett, and how it's litigated sometimes is interesting, too. We are calling this a freedom of religion case. A lot of these were once known as Establishment Clause cases, too. Is, it, is the way the litigation goes uh, somewhat predictive of the way the outcomes are going to turn, or is it just the courts are looking at these more as freedom of religion than Establishment Law cases? It, 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 well, this this Supreme Court is for sure seeing it as freedom of religion okay. and and not um, and not having any discrimination. So mm-hmm. if a government is, is acting, and there was a case that we we were we made reference to on several several um, times ago about a Boston case about the flag um, and basically religious flags being able to fly right. outside right. of uh, of uh, and the city hall there, right. and and that was a unanimous decision by the way. And basically, what it says is if the government has decided to enter into the fray, 
they cannot discriminate against religion. Right. And that's exactly what this case says, and that's what Chief Justice Roberts was saying, is like, then just have public schools. That's right. Don't, 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 don't have any of uh, the school choice, don't have any of these other funding, school safety, playgrounds, et cetera. Don't, don't fund those. There's no requirement that you fund those. But if you choose to fund those, you cannot discriminate against religious schools. And I think that that's going to be the fundamental issue. Yeah. Again, it's about um, if the government chooses to make, a, to make a determination and act in a certain way, it just cannot discriminate. Right. They're money. saying you can send your money to Phoenix Country Day School, but not Brophy. And that's, that just makes no sense because that's preferring irreligion over religion. Sort of. Or Notre Dame would be the better example. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you bring it back to Arizona. Yeah, and I that's Arizona, where I wanted to go. Yeah, no, no problem. And and Arizona has been a leader in school choice that that goes actually back to to the eighties too. Um, we have here in Arizona, and some states have started adopting it. That big the charter school system. You don't have to go to the school in your neighborhood. When we all grew up, you either went to quite honestly the private school or you went to the school down the street. You didn't you didn't have a choice to go to the district over because it was better than the one you had. Arizona has changed that, and you can go to any school um, in, in in the state. Quite honestly, and you take your money with you. Um, and that's what is called back, backpack funding. Right. And what the Arizona legislature has actually put into its most recent budget, hasn't been approved yet, is basically this concept that the money will follow the student, whether it's to a private institution, a charter school, or a traditional public school. So you're really seeing uh, parents' choice is that where does a parent want to send their kid um, and also be able to ensure that the student is the predominant focus versus whatever else might be um, in a particular school district. And from, you know, being a market capitalist kind of guy, that is only going to make uh, some of the school districts better. And I think that this case is going to have a significant ramification because that money is can be used in religious institutions yeah. now. Yeah, we've been at this since my gosh, I'm trying to think. When was Lisa Keegan, our superintendent, 95, 96? We've been at this since exactly. 95, 96. These wheels uh, turn slowly, but they finally turn. <laughs> That's exactly right. Exactly. And, she, she, and she's still doing, she's and still doing great work. She is doing great work. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I know she was part and parcel of... Uh, my friend uh, Karen Taylor Robeson's uh, plan for education. Brett Johnson, Snell and Wilmer Law Firm. Bless you, sir. Godspeed. Until next week, thanks for always keeping us on the straight and narrow here. Oh, thank you very much. We'll talk soon. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.